They're going to nuke the entire colony. Do you have any idea what that means for all of you? But, uh, uh... It means that this colony's going to be destroyed, all right? There's nothing that we can do. You have to leave, Al. You and your mom have to get off this colony right away. No way! It's all right. All we have to do is destroy it by Christmas. I can't do that, you idiot! You can do it, Bernie. I know you can. No, I can't. There's absolutely no way that I can beat that new monster. <laughs> yeah, it's new, but it's just a little faster. If we fix the Zaku, it'll work. If we fix it, then what? Are you going to be the pilot? Huh? Exactly, Al. The truth is, I've never even shot down one mobile suit. So there! But what about everyone else? Come on, I'm sure we can still beat the gun. Damn! And welcome back, everybody, to episode seven of Gundam at MHQ. This is uh, one of your hosts, Neil Lorinoke, along with Sobro Ryu, right here next to him. And pod- and receiving him live down from South Florida is Chris. We hope everybody had a great uh, holiday season. Um, we know that we took an extra week for a hiatus, and that was because uh, there was just a lot of stuff going on, people had, being out of town and we, everything like that. We had our own golden week. That's right. Yes. And we hope everybody got their wishes uh, granted for Christmas, especially some of the uh, the uh, Gundam, uh, you know, some of the Mecca uh, wishes that we had talked about in Episode 6. But um, uh, today's episode, we're going to be going into... Um, it's actually the beginning of our two-part series on the mind of Yoshiyuki Tamino. Uh, we're going to be talking about his Gundam works, some of our likes and dislikes uh, on that, and uh, which we will follow up on Episode 8, uh, some of his non-Gundam works. Uh, we'll also be talking about a new show, um, Macross Frontier, a new Macross show. There was a kind of a uh, series teaser that was shown uh, earlier this week. And we'll be doing some of our thoughts and impressions on that. And we will be continuing with our uh, monthly recap of the last four episodes of Mobile Suit Gundam's Double Zero, uh, 9, 10, 11, and 12. Uh, but quickly, uh, just got some quick news for everybody. Um, mainly just some quick game news uh, regarding uh, Gundam. Um, first thing we have here is I guess there is going to be a Gundam Double Zero DS um, game and the site is actually opened and there's lots of little um lots of little things photos screenshots of the game and there's actually going to be some promotional information quickly about the game itself there's going to be about 80 missions 80 yeah so um you know for a ds game that sounds pretty hefty um and the characters are actually going to the there's actually going to be voiceovers with the characters, and oh. there's actually going to be a mobile suit that we haven't yet seen in the TV series. And I guess uh, people that reserve the game will get uh, the Exia and some rollout colors. Um, I guess these are some special colors that they're going to have for the actual rollout of the uh, of the game. So, And... Uh, other game news, if you go to Famitsu.com, uh, there's going to actually, uh, with the Garen's Greed game on the P- uh, PSP, uh, they're going to be showing some of the uh, MSN Igloo and Zeta Gundam material. And actually, if you go to uh, Amazon Japan, they actually have the cover of the Menace of Axis cover. Oh, and, wow. And uh, it's pretty nice. Um, uh, I, I don't know who does this art style, but I've seen it before. It actually looks like the art style on the... Um, 
on those Blu-ray DVDs. But of course, it's got Gearin on there and all the usual suspects. So, <laughs> um, and there's other game news. There's just going to be uh, an SD Gund- Gundam capsule fighter game that came out for Hong Kong and China. Uh, it's going to be from um, from Bandai Korea for Hong Kong, China, and Macau, Macau, Macau. So. I don't know what it's going to take to get us these games, but um, hopefully we can get something. And if you go to Ganada, uh, there's there was actually from December fourteenth, two thousand seven, to uh, actually New Year's Day in Hong Kong, uh, there was a Gundam Expo, and there's actually three links on there. Some people put up their pictures mm. and some of their comments of this. Um, of this uh, expo and it's pretty interesting and you get to see some really cool uh, things. Uh, one of the highlights, they actually had a, a master grade gun plug gallery that showcased all the 102 master grade kits ever released. Oh no. And they actually show it and it's really cool the way it look all looks. So, um, you know, and it, it's just showing all the different uh, merchandise. And uh, lastly, in the game news front, there's just a new SD Gundam capsule fighter game that came out for Hong Kong and Japan. <laughs> and, uh, basically it's, um, it's the, um, kind of the celebration of the 25th, 20th anniversary of SD Gundam. So, uh, that's that's about it. Like I said, everything was a little light on the news here. So well, it is the beginning of the year. Yes. So, like, but uh, I just want to make uh, one quick correction from episode six during our anime spotlight of Votomes. I mentioned that uh, the Pales and Files OAV took place before anything else. In fact, it does, and it's set after Roots of Ambition. While I was watching it raw, I sort of got the impression that it was jumping back and forth in time between the present and, and before. That's really not the case. It was just sort of a murky setting that they didn't explain. Uh, so if you're going to start watching some Votomes in chronological order, make sure you watch uh, Roots of Ambitions first, and then Pales and Files later. So I just wanted to quickly mention that in the news section. Ah, no problem. I'm sure everybody... Uh I'm sure <laughs> everybody understands, especially with seeing something, um, you know, well, raw it, like that. And so anybody wanting to watch in a chronological order now has the heads up. Yes. <laughs> there you go. But like I said, this is uh, episode seven of Gundam and MHQ. We'll be back shortly uh, with our segments. You're listening to Gundam and MHQ. Hello, Ken. How nice to see you again. How have you been? I've been better. Where's Julia? She's not here right now. Would you like to leave a message? Very funny. Afraid I'm not in the mood for your twisted sense of humor. Now, where is she? I thought you'd ask that question. I wish I knew, Ken. Honestly, I do. Answer me, damn it. But then we wouldn't fight, and we're destined to do that! Huh? Huh? Where's that noise coming from? How could they page me at a time like this? Hey, ma'am, who's that in that bed over there? Nobody, really. Just one of the injured that I'm helping to take care of, that's all. Let's see! He's my son, and he's badly injured. Let's see if you have nothing to hide! No! Wait! Oh, too much. Oh, another show. Almora! 
So wild, Amuro. I don't even know you. What's up? Fogo, where have you been, man? You almost gave me a gun? Damn heart attack. Let me see it. You're listening to the show that's leaving more spots blown than Arlington Road. That's right. That's Gundam at MAHQ. And in this segment... <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? I, I, he he does not. He does uh, not. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I try to. Uh, he keeps you spontaneous. Field. Yes. <laughs> um, in this in this segment, um, we're 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 doing the old standard, and that's um reviewing the latest episodes or giving our opinions on the latest episodes of Gundam Double Zero, episodes nine through twelve. If you've been watching, you've probably been um either scratching your head or been on the edge of your seat. But um, a lot of things have happened in these few four episodes, and um, I'm sure our opinions will differ on it, and yours will too, but so is life. But anyway, um, I guess we'll start with episode nine of Gundam Double Zero, or Double O, as, um, as it's I guess, truly called. Um, Operation, no, I'll take that back. Um, episode nine is A Powerful Nation's Dignity, <laughs> and um, in this episode... Um, Chris, if you wanted to, I guess, give an overview of what happened in this app? Uh, basically, uh, what we got here is uh, Sergei's clever plan to discover the Ptolemaeus by having all of these, like, thousands of little sentinels across space. Because it's pretty clever because, um, you know, the GN particles disrupt radar. So if you find an area where the radar is being disrupted, obviously there's something there disrupting it. Yeah. Exactly. So he sort of went around the problem out of the box and went at it backwards. Yeah. And uh, so he deploys thousands of these little probes, and um, you know some of them get set off, and there's disruptions. So boom, there's the Ptolemaeus, and then he gets his crew together, and they go out and attack. Yeah, and then we get to see uh, what's his face, Hallelujah, become like the most sadistic person I've ever seen. Well, on top. Well, that's episode ten. Yeah, oh, that's episode, episode ten. Episode ten. That's right. Because it ends with episode nine ends with the cliffhanger of uh, oh, that's right, Hallelujah yeah. and Soma meeting up, and that's when he starts having the headaches again. Yeah. But there was uh, some important things in this episode. Um, number one, there's there was this one scene where uh, Lockon's talking to Felt, and he reveals to her his real name mm-hmm. and a little bit about his background. That his parents were both killed in a terrorist bomb in Ireland, oh. and she reveals that both her parents were Gundam Meisters and that they're both dead. And yeah. what about in the beginning when they drop the bomb on you that he's a twin? Yeah, he's got this this brother who some people have taken to calling Rock On. Rock On. <laughs> <laughs> For lack of since 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 he has no name otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it was like I mean, the show hit you over the head with that right in the beginning. It's like, man, and then you know they let it go. It's like yep. he, he didn't he didn't find anything else more about it. I believe he said something along the lines of, um, he must uh, he must have come here or you know, yeah, because he went to go put flowers and there were already flowers there, yeah. exactly at the cemetery. Hey, and we don't even know the significance of the grave. I'm sure it's someone that was dear to him, maybe a family. Well, it's member. probably his parents. His parents, probably yeah. so. Because his parents were killed in a terrorist bomb by the IRA. You know, he's starting to remind me a lot of uh what's his name? Robia Robia Loy from um 
from Roby Lloyd from Gundam X. Kind of. Oh yeah. 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 He's sort of the. Uh, yeah. Kind of. I mean, granted, he's not. You know, sort of the the the, the ladies' man who has a little bit of like yeah. sadness behind him, behind all that. It's sort of like all of a cover. Kind of the tra- the tragic figure. Yeah. The heat and Lock On covers it up by being you know like the nice guy. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, so far he still seems to be the most centered out of all of them, but um. I, I, yeah, but it wasn't as in the least insane. The least insane. But you know, we we know he harbors a a great a great disdain towards terrorists. So, you know, that I guess that was seen in the last um, episode before that. But you know, he just doesn't tolerate that crap because uh, you know it's affected his life so much. Yeah. Uh, Even I, though technically speaking, he, he is, is one, one yeah. himself, <laughs> and that's sort of the uh, the the line there. Exactly. I mean, it it is it is ironic that he is one, but at the same time, I I guess he feels justified because he knows he's not terrorizing um. The let you know the the, the actual Innocent masses. People. He's 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 fighting combatants basically. So yeah, but um, it was nice to see the heart to heart he had felt too. I thought that was um, I thought it was really cool. Plus, you found out her parents were Gundam Gundam Meisters. So so it also which I'm sure will be explored in one of the side stories. Yeah, and I'm sure it also that seems like ra- perfect side story fodder. Yeah, it raises that question of uh, how long because this is something I was talking to Soulbro about was like how long uh, I th- I'm sure we're gonna find out that. These Gundams were probably interfering with stuff for a long time. Just nobody really knew or or could identify them or or live to to say it because yeah. that was actually kind of a shocking thing for me to see that she um you know th- you know unless they were just flat out test pilots. That's, That's true. the only other thing. Well, they had to be because well, if you remember, the very first episode showed us that they were around in the past. The the O Gundam that uh, appeared in uh, the Kurdish Republic and saved Setsuna. Yeah, that was six years before the start of the series. So, and then you know the side stories. One of them is set, I believe, yeah. like fifteen years before the start of Double O, and you have Gundam Meisters there. So you have this organization that's been around for two hundred years in the shadows. Yeah, they've been doing things here and there. Yeah. that nobody just but, put the pieces together before now. Well, yeah, it was a pretty good episode, which kind of led us into what episode 10 episode 10 which is 10 a direct continuation practically yes and it's hallelujah the bastard exactly but before that it kicked off with my man shot you crossroad uh, uh. wasn't he cooking and he was getting chewed up by the, by the future I, I, mother-in-law, and I, I know you hate him, but that's I, all I right. don't hate him. But I, I really hope that the time wasted on him <laughs> becomes something valuable you because know, of course it will be. This man. guy getting pushed around by well, this, you, this girl you, and you his, think he's his gonna be mother is the terrible. <laughs> I, I'll comment on him when we get to yeah, episode twelve because some some weird stuff going yeah, on in episode man. twelve. But uh, he's, getting a, he's getting a swerve on with mom, but we'll keep that. We'll we'll. He's getting, <laughs> He's turning into Dustin Hoffman. It's like, wait a second, I'm watching The Graduate? Yes, pretty much. <laughs> but uh, no, it was kind of interesting because now we get to see that, well, we thought maybe in the first like five episodes, Satsuna was the most screwed up one. Jeez. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's starting to pale the comparison. God, he, Not in the slightest. He, he seems like a very well-adjusted young man compared to these other two. Oh, my oh. God. Well, uh, I mean, I, I had speculated one thing. I, going into episode, um, I think the first hint in episode 10, um, when um, I, I guess a major event happened in episode ten, where you, it was revealed that the um, the Geo the G double O five was in, in was you know hiding a actual other Gundam underneath it, and um, what was the name of that? A skinny Gundam cosplaying as a fat. Yeah. One. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. The uh, Gundam uh, Natalie. Natalie, thank you. It, was, <laughs> it got liposuction that episode, and um, it revealed itself with a new hairdo. <laughs> Of course, those are the uh, the cables keeping all the um, the armor and the um, the significant pieces to make it the double O five in in place. But you know, I, I when I saw that episode, I I noticed that um, 
that his eyes um, they glowed they glowed or yeah. they had kind of an unnaturalness to it and um, yeah and I, I at that point I, I in my mind I thought that he might not be human he may not be human at all the way he comes off how he's straight by the book he just you know he takes no no shortcuts with anything yeah but you know what though actually something Prime in episode him. 12 kind of it kind of yeah kind of puts kind of circumvents that yeah well does it really I mean mm-hmm. he yeah it was just yeah we'll just but on here it was I mean it was um you kind of see that you know he's a real cold and merciless person but nothing as bad as hallelujah <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely something about Terry because in episode 11 when he's floating in that weird computer sphere and he's like eavesdropping on sumeragi and hallelujah his eyes are glowing there too yeah, yeah. he seems to be the human interface for vader if that if that if that computer is vader uh, we don't even know but I, i'm i'm now i'm speculating but he seems to be a human interface for the ship's computer there's what? theories that he, you know, is like some kind of android interface with uh, Veda, or some people have said that he could be a uh, clone of Aeolia Shenberg. I really don't know. Wow. Yeah. Got no opinion on him because uh, he's just a complete mystery. I do think that he'll become um, less of a less of a hard ass though as the series progresses. But maybe maybe I'm off, or maybe he may become become more um what's more more fanatical about it. I don't know, but. We we start off hating him. I think there's some signs of that in episode 11 of him kind of milling out a little bit because, yeah. you know, he finds out Alleluia's secret, and then when they go to attack the uh, space colony, you know, he he's mumbling something like, "Oh, he's going, you know, he's going to go. Alleluia's going to go fix the past and take care of it because that's what a Gundam Meister would do." And he actually seems kind of like proud there for a second. I guess yeah. Yeah. maybe now that he understands the situation, his uh, like his thoughts about. Um, Alleluia have changed, and he doesn't think that Alleluia is unfit to be a maestro. Because I guess he's he's um, he's, he's uh, disconnecting himself from the past finally, and um, yeah, it's I guess his own way of catharsis when it comes to um, dealing with his issue. But I, I I still have my um my worries about Alleluia after even after he did what he did, and um that was um episode eleven when he uh I guess he blew up the uh, enhanced human lab. Exactly. Yeah. It was nice to see the inside of a colony in that episode too. Yep. And and the way they shot the scene where or they drew the scene where he when he went inside, you saw from the perspective of the suit itself, where the world you know, the colony itself was spinning around him as he entered the gravity well of it. And, you know, it was just it was a neat perspective and then, you know, him debating with himself towards the end where he, you know, had that psychotic episode where he's just you know, pointing the gun at himself and the two sides of himself, and you know, eventually he just. I thought that was great the way yeah. the way they had that, and uh, you know, it's, you know, he he doesn't want to shoot, and Alley is like, do it, do it, do it, and then he just goes berserk and he starts screaming at the top of his lungs and starts shooting out those missiles, and you see the building explode, and the way the the curio sort of like transforms and sort of like falters a little bit as it flies away. Exactly, mm-hmm. I thought that was a very well done scene. He's the Harvey Dent of Gundam. I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I mean, it's it's actually nice to see. A, um, I never thought I'd hear those two words in the same sentence. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's actually nice to see one of these guys now have like a true problem, you know, instead of just like not getting along with their parents. Yeah. Because in most Gundam, it's like you know, I just don't get along with my parents. But this one, you know, you know, he was a screwed up guy, and you know, y- you want to do what's right, but when you know, it was it was interesting that they just had him as he's sitting there and he's he's wanting to do this. He's thinking back, and you can almost hear these kids saying, you know, don't kill us, don't kill us. But, you know, the other part of him brought up a good point. What are, you know, you're going to let them live. What are they going to become? Yeah. Just you? You can't take care of them. So. I mean, they're just going to become, you know, another mistake. Like, you know, he, he doesn't he doesn't see himself too highly. So, you know, he probably sees himself as, you know, a bastard of science and um, 
and 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 the military and you know these kids are going to turn out the same way that girl is going to turn out the same way um was it uh soma soma paris yeah she, she's gonna she's well we don't know that yet but i mean that's in his mind that's she's just another loose end to tie up i mean after destroying the um the the source of the problem now he's gonna you know specifically go after her but i will say this in that episode when he tortured that guy before he killed him the um the young oh, in episode 10 that was the most that was the most sadistic thing i'd ever seen in mobile suit gundam oh yeah in any series period it had my hair standing on end and just watching that it's like wow way to it was a way to capture that that maniacal side of him and he's melting the poor guy and it's like man this guy just like is really going overboard neil what was your thoughts on that well i mean it just solidified my theory that he's going to be the first one to die you think and, so? and and have a really bad death <laughs> because uh Karma? He, yeah he he kind of really deserves it but yeah i thought that was pretty sadistic and i mean it was pretty sick and i, I don't think it was you know it was i think of gundam it was probably one of the most um most kind of sickening things and most kind of worst deaths that you could have but um, it was a way it, it was a great way to capture the horror of yeah. being in that position i mean it's like when I thought you think of Bernie from um double oh eight oh hamburgers. I was like and th- exactly and, and, and <laughs> that Bernie. was that was quick, you know, he wasn't tortured. This poor guy was put through the ringer and then finally put out of his misery and it's like, dude, how could he do that to him? I mean he was frying in his seed. It's like when um you'd see those grunts die in seed where you know they get the, the, when they got microwaved yeah. with the cyclops. Yeah. And they got fat and exploded. Yeah. That was the worst. <laughs> But I, I mean, it, it's definitely um, now. What was also great in these, especially in like I think ten and eleven, is you start seeing the um, the UN come in, exactly. and I think that guy, that's the long-haired guy in, with the UN, Alejandro, who's always having a drink with that kid in a room somewhere. Yeah, really weird. But um, I, I'm kind of I've um, and within that brings us to episode twelve, where you know um, Ajastan gets attacked, and you know they're having the revolt because the religious leader got um, uh, captured, kidnapped. Yeah, kidnapped, and which actually which brought some interesting things because that brought a lot of parallels to today's world, especially because the guy's name was Masoud. Masoud, yeah, and that's the name of the guy that got killed the day before 9-11 in Afghanistan. That's right. And that guy looks very much like, he's, he looks like he's modeled after bin Laden, and he's got kind of the same take as bin Laden with, you know, being pissed that the Azistan is bringing in, you know, basically you well, know, non-believers and stuff. But Well, and in the same breath, though, he, he's kind of playing a necessary, like necessary a, a devil's advocate role yeah. because he knows if he doesn't do it, someone worse than, you know, someone who's right. going to want to just do... Ramp Blow it. shit up exactly yeah. is going to you know take over and they're not going to have a set plan. He's actually looking to boost Marina, um, att- Marina's you know uh, attention to Marina and you know have her emerge as the leader of the nation. But he's got to do it through you know taking the worst route possible, which is to um, be her opposition. I think it's interesting the way that they're showing the show though is right now. I'm kind of believing that Alejandro is Veda because really? the whole way that he was acting when he's like. Well, let's see how this plays out. You know, they're evacuating everybody out of this country because this country's, you know, basically melting down because the ultra conservatists are have infiltrated the army and they're doing, you know, they're basically doing the old, um, the 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 old Roma Feller yeah. switch <laughs> that they did, you know, and, the and, Rockefeller and Gundam Foundation. Wing. It's like <laughs> beep beep beep, you know, and 
but I thought that was kind of funny. But, um, you know, I, I almost kind of feel that he might be either Veda or he's part of Celestial BM because he definitely... Oh, he is. That's been shown yeah. since the beginning, yeah, you know, that because he, he knows all these things. But, I just think he's just some weird guy who likes to watch things happen, have drinks with... Be uh, with children? You know. <laughs> I don't know why, but the only person who drinks more in this show than that guy is Sumeragi. Yes, indeed. And that was interesting, too, that whole exchange with um, Sumeragi and Hallelujah, especially... You know, she okayed. You know, he brought Hallelujah brought that plan to attack the, the new type base. Uh, hallelujah, that's right. Because Hallelujah is his. Um, hallelujah would 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 you know yeah, rape he, her or something. He, yeah. he would not be a civil. Oh yeah, I forgot Hallelujah and Hallelujah. I'm sorry, <laughs> but um, I'm getting confused now. But uh, but I thought that was kind of cool. And then you have her whole thing of um, you know, he comes back to her and starts speaking after he uh, turned 20, and yeah. he wanted a drink and. Uh, you know, basically, it'll be interesting to see what her um, what her past is because it's you know she basically verified she drinks to forget. On top of that, she she yeah. remembered a, a, a um, the tactic that uh, that Sergey used. Mm-hmm. She remembered the tactic that Sergey used. It makes you wonder if she was actually there the first time he used it. Well, or yeah, it was I don't think so. She was probably she would have been too young. But, yeah, that's what uh, I was thinking. Since she's a tactician, she would obviously study yeah, famous battles. Famous battles, but, exactly. Um, what I want to know is, you know, when they mentioned earlier on her meeting, her meeting with uh, Billy, and uh, the fact that she knew that Professor Eifman, you know, there was some kind, there was some kind of thing that went down with all of them. That yes. even Graham, he doesn't know what the details are, but he knows that something happened. Exactly, mm-hmm. and that's think seems to be at the center of all of her her boozing. Um, mm-hmm. But a closing comment on episode twelve, I think it's very interesting that both the um, rebels in the Azadistan army who were attacking the solar energy antenna and even the kidnapping of Masood it's all orchestrated by Ali yes very much so and yeah. you, you know he's 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 playing um, power moves in the background uh, I, I would like a, a quick comment on that nice three-way battle between him and Graham and um, of course my man uh, Lock-On towards um, the end of that mm-hmm. episode oh, that was that was just a great exchange but yeah, I, you can see that Ali's he's starting to manipulate things if he hadn't already been manipulating things in the, you know, in the background for a while but well he was because it was actually- in um, sorry in episode I think 7 mm-hmm. he knew in advance that those terrorist bombings were going to happen exactly yeah. which makes you wonder if he was the one who set them up as a way to you know distract the Gundams and, and make them stop what they're doing. Yeah. Which obviously it didn't, but he's 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 in on this and my my question which I, I put in the review is is he just doing this for money because war is good for business or does he have some political yeah. motivation in this too? That's very that, true. That's, that's kind of been my question throughout with the whole thing is um, all the factions because it definitely seems that um, everybody keeps talking about money and money being a big deciding factor and um, you know money and power and you know that's definitely something that's going on all sides and i I even think to celestial being too uh you know they're not necessarily trying to do stuff on a money aspect but they're definitely trying to do it on power exactly they're trying to influence things Mm -hmm. but it's been a pretty interesting show um you know i i like i like what they're doing i like i like you know the big kind of political web that they're weaving it's it's something and as I'm noticing these episodes, it seems like the the mobile suit battles are becoming less and less. And there's more story being uh, yeah, a lot more story so. shown and um, displayed. But the, that still doesn't bring the emphasis down on the battles. The battles are no, so not well at all. Di- yeah, they're so well directed too. I, I, I have to really give it up to the um, the uh, the director and the uh, the people who lay out the storyboards because just the way that they they detail the fights and just um, 
the developments that happen in them and the angles they um they draw everything and i just i, I love the cinematic look of the show i've said it before and i'll say it again it's it's the most cinematic gundam i've seen since x right yeah x x was another show that was really oh, cinematic one last thing is i like the fact now that we're starting to see that the gundam meisters have weaknesses that they're not the all-powerful yeah fighters so that was nice lock on is definitely he cannot he cannot be in a melee battle. He can't. And he cannot be in a close combat battle. And Satsuna is just basically just trying to overpower everything. And His rashness is his weakness pretty yeah, much. pretty much. But so Now to, um, I guess to close, before we close off uh, double-O discussion for this month, I guess we're going to have to talk about Saji, so especially in episode 12. Uh, so, Adam, do you want to tell us about uh, yeah. your man Saji? Yes. Oh, my man Saji. He's, he's winning He's winning them over. He, 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 won, he won the opposition. Hearts and minds. Hearts and minds, man. He turned the other cheek. With pizza. <laughs> With ML- what, the crazy and, and, and mother? Especially, especially since we're coming into MLK Day. Just want to let you know that Saji Crossroad has taken that that doctrine and just run with it, and you know he well, made that a dream. He made that dinner. Yeah, he has a dream of um of, of just of just you know being cool. Well, here's my theory. He's not there yet, but he's getting there. I <laughs> I just I just hope I just hope that you're correct that he, he is going to be some part of the it, story because me, it sure is not becoming that way. It, to me, it's like the Arthurian. It's the, it's, it's the Arthurian legend, pretty much. I mean, if King Arthur was wasn't <laughs> Jack Arthur. in the beginning. I mean, granted, oh, I don't expect boy. him to become king, oh, but you know, he started out. What, with what, what's your yeah? What's, what's, what's your take on this, Chris? Here, Chris, <laughs> it, it's something I, that I, occurred to me while uh, making a post in the Double uh, O thread on MechaTalk. Mm-hmm. Uh, about what exactly is the point of of, of Saji? Because Kinoue, she at least has a point. She's investigating celestial being and she's trying to track them down. Right, exactly. So the thought occurred to me because you know he said to her a few episodes ago, "I wonder what our parents would think if they were alive." I said to myself, "Well, what if they are alive?" Right. Because we've got this thread that Kinoue is investigating of scientists who have disappeared over the last 200 years. What if um, Saji's parents, who we know nothing about, were maybe actually important people and maybe they faked their deaths to go off and be part of Celestial Being and maybe they are alive and are with Celestial Being right now and we haven't seen them. That would be one hell of a a plot twist. That 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 I actually think would be more plausible at this point than him join in the fight because yeah. that guy that it especially occurred to me after the Revenant Felt's parents were Gundam Meisters yeah I thought well mm-hmm. maybe you know Saji's and Kinue's were because as she mentioned it's very secretive all she knows is that they died she doesn't even know how they died right she just knows that they're dead so you know I, that got me to thinking well maybe Saji and Kinue's parents are uh, part of Celestial Being yeah it's and if they are then that would make the that would make Saji at least relevant. I suppose it would, unless, you know, his sister's the relevant point and she may end up becoming another victim and then he may stand up then. I, I don't know. I mean, granted, she's investigating he can't some even serious stand stuff. Up to, he can't even stand up to Luis's mother. Well, he has a different, he has a roundabout but, way about it. I mean, he could be, he could be confrontational. Pizza. Yeah, yes. Exactly. <laughs> he could be confrontational and, and, and you know, end up being permanent enemies or he can do, uh, you know, he could take the other route. You know, anyway, that, that's, that's run yes. off into other, um, other venues that, you know, We'll save for another time. He's but, slowly um, becoming the worst part of the show. Awesome. I'm glad you think so. <laughs> okay, that's enough of Saji Crossroad for this one. So but, um, yeah, we've had we filled our quota. But um, anyway, um, that is that brings our double O segment to an end. Um, in in about a month, we'll have another four episodes reviewed. Um, episode 13 just premiered this uh, weekend, so uh, we'll get to checking that out this week. But uh, thank you, um, 
Thank you for joining us on this segment, and we'll be back in just a few moments. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Did you order the code red? Gundam right, I did! <laughs> Look at that! This is so bro you. And when you have a free moment, check out these cool websites. MAHQ.net. And that stands for the Mecha and Anime Headquarters. They have information and reviews on a variety of animes, as well as specs on Mecha from your favorite series. Check out the forums and see what the regulars are saying about Mobile Suit Gundam Double Zero. AEUG.blogspot.com. And that website is Ganada. And that's your number one news site for all things Gundam. But watch out for those spoilers on Gundam Double Zero, though. www.myspace.com slash FTS Shinjuku. And that's for the podcast that started it all. Flip the script. Anime, video games, movies, TV, and music are a few of the subjects that are tossed about in a roundtable discussion by six very different individuals. Boy Wonder, Dr. Encyclopedia Black, Lee Majors, and Shoji Ramuro, as well as the host of Gundam, Neo Loranoke, and Sobro Ryu. GundamOfficial.com That's Gundam O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L dot com And that's for the official website of Gundam, of course. It's managed by the guru of Gundam himself, Mark Simmons. For those who had missed out on Simmons' mega fan site and extensive wiki of mobile suits in the late 90s, labeled the Gundam Project, Now's your chance to see the second coming of it at GundamOfficial.com www.myspace.com slash Gundam the show that's G-U-N-D-A-M-N the show and last but not least is the website for the unofficial podcast for all things Gundam and Mecha Gundam check us out on MySpace and if you're a member add us as a friend and give us your opinions on the Mecha series you enjoy Peep these cool websites when you get a minute. Now, back to Gundam. Damn, damn, damn! Hey, welcome back to Gundam and MHQ. This is uh, one of your hosts, Neo, and uh, we're actually going to have some excitement. We're, uh, it's always exciting in Mecha Land when we get a new show, and especially when we get a new show. Uh, that's actually some uh, maybe a sequel or a continuation of an old favorite. And uh, this week actually gave us, I guess it's kind of a sneak preview, but not. It's first sneak preview, first episode, whatever we could kind of say of uh, the new Macross show, which is called Macross Frontier. Uh, it was, um, I don't know when it comes on in Japan, but I, I guess it was uh, this week. And uh, it was actually... Um, actually kind of interesting and what we're going to do is just kind of quickly go over some of our thoughts and some of impressions of the first episode uh chris i guess you were saying earlier when we were talking before the recording of the show that the the show is going to actually start in april april and yeah this was more of kind of like a teaser kind yeah, of yeah it was introduction it was to a the Christmas thing special it was uh, part of a hour-long 25th anniversary special aired in japan like right before christmas so I didn't see the anniversary special, but I'm assuming it was a retrospective on the show, followed up then by right. the special DeCulture edition of uh, Frontier Episode 1. So based on the running time, it's going to be a bit longer than right. what the actual airing version is since it's 
27 minutes, no opening but an ending. So that right there is longer than yeah. your typical show. So oh, and I love that ending. I'm guessing this will be on the the DVD as the longer version. Yeah. Now, is there is will they replay this, or is there going to be another episode like an, a normal sized episode one? for the initial release. We don't know it, yet, it, but given the the four-month time difference, I'd assume that uh, they would probably air the first episode again, but cut down. Right. Okay. That's that interesting. I guess um, the first thing is, uh, Solbro, your first impression on this, uh, being a Macross fan. Oh, man, and Macross. Macross is um, where I got my teeth cut on, the original show. But um, watching Macross Frontier... I was a little questionable at first about you know how it would play out because I haven't seen Macross Seven or um, that's a, like I think the only other Macross series I haven't seen, and I, I want to see it but I've been hesitant to see it because it seems to be kind of offbeat. But getting on to Macross Frontier, I was afraid it would be kind of the same kind of offbeat show. But it's kind of like they took the um, the theme of Macross where you have a ship with a with a city inside of it. This time an island, um, and the island seems to have like. Different different parts of different major cities in the world, kind of like the- themes based it's on like the West like, Coast and Japan. You have like San Francisco, Shibuya, yeah. and Tokyo, and I'm sure there's other sectors. I mean, exploring that city is going to be an awesome part of that show, and exactly you know seeing what kinds of um, city themes they have of um, based on real cities in the world. And um, when when you go, when when you get to see more of the episodes of the show and the layout of the whole the whole ship, but um, watching the show. Being introduced to the characters, um, I I could see some of the characters were reflections of some characters in the past. Reflections, yeah. <laughs> some were different, like um. Now this like is the in, girl it, was, it was based in twenty fifty nine. Twenty fifty nine. How long would that be from 50 the last years. fifty Mac years from Rot. the first series? What about from well, the it's fifty years from the first series and uh, fourteen years after Macross Seven? Okay, that's nope. which coincidentally is. It in real time, it has been 14 years since Macross Seven started airing. So, sort of a little interesting coincidence. Okay. Or not exactly, mm. but um, it, it is possible to. I, I was thinking that it, it might be possible in the future episodes. You actually may see some reoccurring characters from Macross because space folding is like traveling through time, mm-hmm. which means some characters don't age. Didn't a- may have not aged as long. Um, are as old as maybe some characters who stayed on Earth. You know, that sounds like a fanboy's dream. Yeah, it does. It does. And I'm the biggest fanboy in the room. Well, everybody, uh, <laughs> speaking of fanboys, um, well, the thing about space folding is they're not space folding right. all true. the time. They're usually just traveling in normal space. And uh, one thing that fanboys have been wanting to see for forever is finding out what happened to the Mega Road 1 mm-hmm. with Hikaru Chijo and Lin Min Mei and, and Misa Hayase. That's and true. Re- from what I understand, uh, Kawamori has said for many years that their story is over. Wow. Mm. And he tends to not come back to these things over. Yeah, in Macross 7 he used you know, Max and Milia and Exodol, yeah. but it wasn't, you know, right. they weren't the stars they of the weren't. show. They were just sort of there in the background. And then in Zero, he brought back Roy Fokker, but he wasn't the star of that either. So And that was I, a prequel anyway. Yeah. So. yeah, it was a prequel. So I would tend to take him at his word that uh, that he's done with that story. And also, I don't know how big of a factor this might play, but the fact that uh, Hikaru's actor has been dead for like 10 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's that. Might be something. Mm-hmm. So... He's been recast for video games, but uh, the fact that they've never had Hikaru in an anime again might tie into that. So everybody wants to know what happened to the Mega Road because it got lost in space and yada yada. And interestingly, in um, 
this very neat opening sequence at the beginning of Macross Frontier, they show yeah, I was about to say all that. the fleets coming out of like Earth and all these other planets. Yep. So mm-hmm. you get to see like uh, the colonization of Eden from Macross Plus. You see all these fleets exactly. spreading out, and like you know, you see like the arm of the galaxy with all these fleets going in every direction. And one of them mm-hmm. you see going off on its own is the Mega Road One. Right. Exactly. So I think that's just there as just a nod to it, but I don't think we're ever gonna see the the Mega Road One. I mean, if it hasn't been in something at this point, I don't think it's ever going to be in anything. And it actually be kind of nice if they just kind of left those things alone. That's true. I mean, I, I would like to see some kind of connection between, you know, um, you know, it, even if it's small, some kind of connection between the original series and this. Oh, one. believe me, it's got plenty of connections. Well, it, but, it, it uh, does. It does. Um, <laughs> Chris, what would what what were kind of your takes? Uh, you know, impressions of this first episode of Macross Frontier. Well, basically, uh, like I said in my review. It's sort of a combination. And oh, and and hold on. Always catch all the Chris's reviews on mhq.net. That's right. Sorry. Thanks for the shameless plugging. Yes. <laughs> I think I think people know what the address of the website is by now. We hope. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> Otherwise, we're just wasting our time. Exactly. And we will beat a dead horse. <laughs> anyway, um, it's sort of a combination of the first episode of Macross Seven and of the original series because Macross Seven was also. You know about a space fleet that gets attacked by mysterious aliens, and Macross Seven had the same style of ship of a domed city, and um, you have that element, and then you have you know the rookie pilot type guy who gets caught up in it and is forced to act. So I think it's a pretty standard as far as the plot goes, first episodes, but I gave it four stars nonetheless for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, go ahead. Animation doesn't really factor into my ratings i can i can forgive horrible animation as long as it's good but man the animation was beautiful in this i mean it looked like ova quality oh, the, was, the was fight it? scenes were amazing it looked ova quality how many, oh, yeah. how many episodes is this show slated for is that still undetermined from the rumors i hear about 26 okay which with a budget like this yeah i don't see how this yeah. could be 50 because even double o doesn't have some visuals that compare to this no double o's visuals have actually kind of come down last few episodes i've well, noticed that's, but that's other when, than that that's when they subcontract episodes out to other studios but, but yeah um number two well, i lost my train of thought um, Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Even though the story was fairly standard, it was still interesting nonetheless because you have these very powerful, weird alien mecha attacking. And as some people have pointed out, the weird markings on these aliens match markings on the weird floating rocks from the Mayan island in Macross Zero. So there could very well be a connection there. Uh, you've got the fact that the um, idol Cheryl Gnome, her name is Gnome, which... You had in Macross Zero, uh, Sarah and Mao Gnome. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. So yeah. she might be related to them. Yeah. And the other thing that I thought was very interesting was that the Frontier president, he already knew about these aliens in advance because he says, oh, they're finally here. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So he knows something that, that the true. military doesn't. Right. And Sharon seemed like she knew, knew too. Cheryl. Who, um, Cheryl. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's. It doesn't seem like any coincidence that they appear right after she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I will. I will give the main character this. He did point out something about her that um I, I thought was true. They were get, she would, maybe she had her reasons of departing, but you know, comparing her with Min May, which is, it's um is eventually going to happen. You know, Min May would have stayed and tried to rally everybody you know, to do something, but you know, she was she was quick to break out. Well, or they were quick to kind of escort her out, which makes sense because you know it's a it is a 
it is an emergency situation, but they may have had their reasons. But, but here's the I, I didn't. Sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Here's the thing: she was being dragged off the stage by a nun's officer, which is new UN Spacey. So she didn't go because she wanted to. She was being. She has a military escort, which is really weird. Why? Why does a pop singer have a military escort with her? And why are they dragging her away into a limo mm-hmm. with armed guards? What is so special about her that she has a military escort? I mean, you don't see, yeah. you know, like army officers hanging around Britney Spears. Right. <laughs> well, you might, so, but not for, the, the not for those well, reasons. Not not for those of you. Yeah. This is not uh, Britney Spears at MHQ. Ew. Exactly. So, but. yeah, the there's a lot of mystery here, but uh, despite the fact that it's sort of a standard opening for a, for a Macross show, it was really exciting, and that's what I think was the the most outstanding part of it. That I second that, and the second half of that episode was straight 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 candy for me as I'm watching it. I mean, just to see that one scene where um the one Veritech pilot tries to fight that alien and gets completely punked. I'm sorry, did I you mean, say Veritech? Yeah, I mean the man gets reduced to to sauce. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you, you said Veritas. Oh, to, oh, I'm oh, so, oh, 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 I am so sorry, a Valkyrie. I, I don't care, <laughs> but I, you know I, there are some people out there. That I deserve are, a slap. They're militant about that stuff, so. Yeah, but please, please forgive me, listeners. I, I did not mean to say Veritech. I like the I like the way that they had the you know they were they were, their um their pilot suits are the um, flying suits you know are the are the uh, the smaller suits. I thought that was really cool. But um, I guess my thing on it, and I, I'm glad you kind of brought this up, Chris. I, if I was to rate it on your rating scale, I'd probably give it maybe between a three and a three and a half. Really? Because the problem I had was because of the standard uh, opening. And I think to an extent, watching Double Zero right now has kind of screwed me up. <laughs> because I can see that there are people with newer ideas when it comes to mecha, the mecha genre. And I thought that I think that Double Zero is a great reimagining of a Gundam show, but I think there was too many. It was just like too much there for a minute. The uh, the girl Naka that works at the or Luca that works at Ranka. What was it? Ranka. Ranka. I was trying to remember what it was. You know, her brother's a pilot, and he's basically got a Roy Fokker. Yeah, he's he's Roy he's Roy Fokker. Yes, he's he got is. the he's in Skull Squadron. He's got the <laughs> but it's but it's the Skeleton Bull Squadron. The Same colors and everything. Squadron. Yeah, cuz he had he had a, a Skeleton's uh, a, a Bull Skull yeah, I remember on his did. on his helmet. So um that was way too predictable. The whole thing at the end with um the main character his his flight suit we knew being was- being yeah but you know i'm kind of tired of well, the guys going in and oh my god now i know how to fly, fly something that's well, uh you know I, I, granted, a military secret because he, those valkyries mm-hmm. were more advanced than the other valkyries granted he pulled the camille and you know he's the homo of his oh, champion god. but you know <laughs> uh, i <laughs> He also put a Camille in with his. Well, this guy wasn't. He wasn't even Homo Alvis champion. He was a home. He was a Homo Alvis uh, photographer. He was at the concert just to do uh, to do uh, you know headshots. He was. He's the Goodyear blimp. Defense. This is re- this is a reintroduction of Macross, just like Gundam C was a reintroduction of Gundam, where the same thing happened. Yeah, but Kira got Kira got I, fate. I understand Fate's hand that. Got but Akira to the to the strike, and he got the pilot. And you know, he was just good with machines and all that other BS. Yeah, but I, I just, I just think it's one. I think it's just one. It, you know, you, you can. 
I, it, it seems a little, little lack of imagination when it comes to getting him to become the the pilot of Valkyrie. Granted, I'll agree. The productions were great. Mm-hmm. The fight scenes were amazing. I noticed that thing that Chris had mentioned earlier too with the uh, the monsters. Yeah. They did look a lot like the, uh, they had those weird markings, and they almost looked like to some of those monsters that were in uh, Macross Zero. But I need to see all of that. But man, I, I just I could not. I mean, I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, and I think Double Zero has done it because I it, it shows that the mech genre can go to a different degree and and introduce a pilot and introduce a circumstance in a different way than just going to the old cliche. Well, they left the keys in the uh, ignition. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I know how to do the smaller version of this, and you know, oh god, well, now we got that with. Ace, but. I mean, in Kawamori's defense, we got that with um zero, and we got that with um with Macross Plus. Well, but Shin in Zero was already a exactly. He was a pilot. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. That, that's pretty much my point. It wasn't that fate threw a mech his way. It's just that you know he was already a trained you know a trained pilot, just like um just like you know Shin and Destiny are um are um, the characters in Macross Macross on um, Plus. You know they were already trained. They were test pilots, but you know they knew what they were doing. But um it, it may seem a bit far fetched, but you know and yes. we've been down this road before. But at least he has some kind of you know idea of what he's doing. No, I mean I I think I think I think the I I think the show's gonna end up being a good show i just i'm i don't know i think it's just my my tastes are changing where it's some of these newer shows like i don't mind it watching older shows but some of these newer shows i mean i think we can go beyond the keys left in the ignition i know how to you know start it up well kind of thing here's something that might give you a different perspective on it especially with double o double o was the 11th Gundam show, which has been continuously right. in production for almost thirty years, whereas yeah. Frontier is only the third Macross TV show in twenty five. Yeah. Wow, I understand. So I would say, as far as the Macross universe goes, the formula is not quite so dusty yet. And another thing is, as I would caution everybody, yeah, this is still just the first episode because the opposite of that is, oh yeah, I saw a whole bunch of comments on. Um, live journals and forums of people that I know and all these other places right after the episode aired the people were already saying oh this first episode of Macross Frontier is better than all 12 episodes of Double O so far I saw that comment a lot <laughs> which I really can't agree with because yeah, how can you compare no. uh, oh, man. one episode of one show to 12 episodes of another show that still isn't even done yet and is still airing what burns me is that you, can, you, you can't compare the two Macross is a completely different formula granted they both involve Mecha and they both involve you know you know melodramatic characters but for the most part Macross is a very music heavy show first of all while Gundam is not and Macross love has always been a big theme while mm-hmm. in Gundam has always been about war and conflict and how it affects the human condition so I mean that's that's two different two different genre well the same genre but two different environments entirely I, I, I don't know how people can just compare one with the other and just make make you know blanket statements like that it just doesn't make sense to me but well like i said i mean that's just my impression and that you know it's still a three or three and a half on a scale of five is still a pretty good rating so you pretty much and i'm still i'm still very much open for the rest of the show i just felt that you know based on what's out there now i thought it would be a little nicer if they did something outside the norm but I completely understand why they did it, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the show. For, so. a, pilot, for a pilot episode, though, I think it was. Oh, it was. It was a good. No, it was, it was definitely a great episode. I'd have to give it a four, but personally, but you know, we'll, we'll One see. One thing I'm a little uh, cautious about, though, is Shoji Kawamori because most of his recent shows. 
they just have had, you know, some point he has to throw in this, like, hippie tree-hugging, you know, Earth is great, you know, Escaflone. defend the environment. Well, Escaflone didn't really do it, but you, you watch shows like um, like Earth Meeting Arjuna, and then you got Macross Zero. It's just like, oh, my God, it's just so pedantic. It's just he's like, oh, it's, it's like, it's like, am I watching an anime or am I watching Captain Planet? Yeah, those, yeah. You don't need to beat it over my head. Oh, the environment's so precious and mankind's destroying the environment. And, uh, oh. Please, just stop it. So far, we haven't gotten that in Frontier, but, you know, this is still the beginning, so. We still have many episodes, yeah, yeah and that was oh. the one thing that hurt Macross Zero. As much as I like that show, those middle episodes there, it was just like, wait a second, you know, I, I realize I can watch TV. I know what's going on with the world. I don't yeah. need to, you know, let's get back to, you know, the story here. I mean, well. Yeah, it's, it's once burned, twice shy because Macross Zero started off so well with, yeah. you know, that gorgeous CG for the well, time. Yeah. And that battle between, you know, the F, mm-hmm. you know, the F-14 and, you know, then you see like yes. the, the VF-0 and the SV-51. It's just like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah. And then all of the, like the weird, funky, magical stuff starts happening. Happening, and then it just sort of like spatters off to some end somewhere. Yeah, but well, I guess that's kind of our opinions, thoughts, impressions of the first uh, episode of Macross Frontier. Uh, it'll be coming out in April. I'm sure we'll get some more inform. We'll pass on more information as we get it. And like always, check out Chris's uh, reviews of Macross Frontier and other things on MHQ.net. So we'll be back. This is uh, Gundam at MHQ. You want your damn thirty dollars back? I want my kidney back. One day, an Autobot shall rise from our ranks and use the power of the Matrix to light our darkest hour. I fear the wounds are fatal.
gun? Damn. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. Uh, this time we're going to hit up what's no doubt going to be a controversial topic, the bald wizard himself, Yoshiyuki Tamino. And since this is such a large topic, we're going to split it up in two. So this episode, we're going to talk about Tamino as far as his Gundam works go. And then in episode eight, we're going to discuss all of his non-Gundam works. So what we decided to do was we're going to uh, highlight some of our likes and dislikes about his uh, directorial style. And um, we're going to cite specific examples from a couple of shows. So I guess... I'll get started, <laughs> and I'll kick it off with one of the things that he's most well-known for, which is being Kill 'Em All Tamino. Oh. So, reportedly, and actually I have read this in interviews, he did an interview in Ann America ages ago, I think back in 1992, and the reason that he cited for killing off the cast of entire shows at various points is because he said he didn't want to be locked into doing sequels to those shows. <laughs> So he would just kill everybody. Jeez. <laughs> hence, yeah. Hence I mean, Zeta. <laughs> hence the. Well, Zeta Zeta comes off pretty light in comparison to some other things. That is I mean, true. If you watch Idian or Dunbine. Oh, oh yes. Oh. But we were being then, we were being Gundam specific oh, though. Oh, that that's next week. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you raise yeah, a we'll good get, point. We'll get to that next time. I mean, you look at Zeta. Camille's lucky that he came out with his brain fried. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. So, but let's let's talk about the the, the deaths. And um, since that's something that he's very well known for, some people died in in you know the original series. But it's in Zeta that he really starts doing it a lot, and he mainly does it towards the end. And I think this was due out of um, all of the reworking that was going into Double Zeta, because originally, as we all know, Double Zeta was going to be the second season of Zeta right. and be a lot more of a direct continuation. Mm -hmm. And I actually have here um, a translation of the original ZZ outline done by RGZ91 over at Ganoda Headlines. So uh, if we briefly go over it for a minute, it'll highlight some of the differences because there's a lot of stuff that changes. We all know uh, Char was going to appear in the show and originally he was going to lead the rebellion against Haman instead of uh, Glemmy. But then that got all changed when they made Char's counterattack. Oh, yeah, double zero. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, double Zeta. God, double what Zeta. am I saying? <laughs> you got too much double zero on the brain. And one of the things that was very different in ZZ was that um, Emma survived into ZZ. Yeah. Wow. And, yeah, and Judo, uh, rather than being with all of the lollies like, uh, like uh, Plea, actually was into older chicks like Emma. What? <laughs> yeah. Very, very different. And wow. um, she ended up dying somewhere in the middle of the original ZZ outline. But then yeah. when all these plans changed, you know, Tamino just decided to go and kill her off in Zeta along with most of the other Zeta cast. What a shame. So, what a shame. So it would have been interesting to see her show up there. But at the same time, her big thing was fighting against the Titans. So now that the Titans are destroyed... Where do you go with her character? Pretty much. Yeah. Well, I, I I think there might have been a little bit of room for development, but probably uh, I think there would yeah. have been. But you know, like Bright, I guess Bright's been around all this at. time. <laughs> well, because he's but. bright. He's he's the invincible bright. You can't do That's anything. Right. To, <laughs> except put right. chickens on his head. 
That is true. So what I thought, um, what bothered me a little bit about Zeta was the way that everybody, whether they're a good guy or a bad guy, pretty much survived until the end. And then suddenly in the last five episodes, they all just start dropping like flies. And in Victory, I think he handles it a lot better because there's a in that show, but it's spread out starting at the very beginning. Yeah. That's true. So you have a lot of people dying throughout the entire show. And notice, up until the end, more of the good guys are dying than the bad guys. Yeah. Because a lot of bad guys survive until the very end, and then they all start dying off. But you have a lot of good guys dying off throughout the course of the show, which sort of lends to that atmosphere of hopelessness that that show has. Yeah, and I think what the nice thing about with some of the, some of the deaths that he does, he um, he really has some imagination on how to kill people. Because uh, <laughs> that 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 really such as yeah, I mean it, it was just uh, well, I mean probably one of the, the funnier deaths was uh, Jared Messis. Um, <laughs> he got thrown into the radish that, in mid-sentence. He basically got knocked into an asteroid and, and went into, yeah, and, and got killed that way instead of actually being killed by Camille. I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, there's a lot of irony. He, he, got, huh? he got thrown into the radish. You're thinking of cats. He crashed into the asteroid. Oh, uh, well. And then he blew up. That's right. Yeah, that, and that was one of the best points of the, you know, that was one of the best deaths in all of Double Zeta was the death of Kotz. Regular so, Zeta, but yeah. But yeah, Zeta. No. I always find, I always found it funny, though, a lot of, I always see a lot of irony in a lot of these characters' deaths that, to me, you know, it's, he's got kind of a weird sense of humor on how to kill some of these people, um, you know, like with Jeremessa, with Katz, um even with um, even with Emma and some of those people, that's true. They w- had just weird irony, and I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah. it is kind of bad though, because you do. There are certain characters that were great, and you wanted to see them uh, move on, like Odello. And, yeah, really. and some of the deaths were a little senseless. Remember, uh, case in point, um, the ep- was it episode thirty six of Zeta when they introduced that one Titan's character? Oh yeah, the one that um, during during Char's speech, there was that one Titan that was actually. Uh, you know, he was he was kind of borderline between Titan and Federation, or Titan and Ague, but he was servicing, you know, he's serving yeah. in the Titans, and Jared ends up killing him because he starts voicing his opinion that, you know, maybe this war is all for, you know, maybe we're fighting for the wrong reasons, and, you know, and Jared just wipes him out. But that character would have been interesting to see him continue on, maybe join the AU, and then yeah. if he had to be, if his chips had to be cashed in, maybe towards the end of the series. Yeah. But it, he seemed like a really interesting character that they could have involved more into the story, and it'd been nice to see him introduced, yeah. but. And um, in another category, something that Tamino tends to do, which I don't like, is the way that he drops characters. Yeah. Yes. And this is something that happens three times alone in Zeta. Number one, uh, Bascom. Yes. You oh. see him in episode 13, and then he just vanishes until, I believe, episode 39. Mm-hmm. Like, God. Oh, what, what the hell was this guy doing? I mean, he was introduced. He was such a big player for that, that, that those first dozen episodes. Then he just vanishes, and so does... Even Jamatov shows up a few times in between then, but Basque, he's just gone. Yeah. He's he gone. Is gone. You see yeah. more of Jamaican than you see of Basque, and it's like, I hate Jamaican, but that's another whole that's a whole other subject. But you see more of him than you see of Basque, and um, yeah, Basque was, he was a really interesting character. Granted, I, I'd love to have more of an insight on, you know, his um, one-year war, um, you know, time in the one-year war, but, and just what made him the monster that he became, but... Yeah, it, it was kind of strange that he just vanished off the face of the map. And who, who else? Rosamia. What other characters did? Rosamia. Yes. She yes. Uh, she got her ass kicked and her gap plant exploded. And then you don't see her for like 30-something episodes. And when you do see her, she's like 
even more insane yes. than she was before. And then that, that sister angle came out of nowhere, too. Yes. Yes. Which Camille just, like, totally fell for, maybe because she was hot and he kept seeing her, like, topless in the perverted doctor's exam room. I don't know. Um, some chick came out of nowhere and said she was my sister, and then I'd be like, uh, are you sure about that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then another one that uh, just really disappears out of nowhere is uh, Gates Kappa. Yes. The uh, the bound dock pilot who was sort of like he was you know conditioning Rosamia and and turning her into Camille's enemy, and then mm-hmm. he got his ass kicked and his bound dock just sort of like flies off to the side in space and you never see what happens to him he just no. vanishes you never find out whether he lived whether he died where he went the guy just totally disappears and he's only there for a few episodes but he was there long enough to warrant us finding out what the hell happened to him his his ultimate fate yeah yeah, yeah. that was the big thing even Char. Even Char for a couple episodes is kind of gone. And yeah. Well, that's that's pretty standard fare in Gundam that like, um, and that was the formula established in the original series that you have an enemy ace yeah. who appears and then he's gone for a while yeah. and then he comes back. Every series does that after that. I mean, right. with Jared, with um, Mashima, with uh, Chronicle, mm-hmm. with Zex, you know, even up to um, Destiny. I mean, every show has done that, that you have yeah. an enemy ace that is there for alternating times so that he's not there the whole series and becomes annoying. Yeah, that's true. So that, that happens in it. That's become a Gundam staple. But, I mean, you've got in the case of Rosamia and uh, and Basque, like, being gone for at least 25 or 30 episodes uh, in a row, which is really, really long. Especially yeah. Basque. That made uh, that really kind of uh, – that would have been an interesting play because uh, he was basically the second, third man yeah, he was, in, uh, in the Titans and, made, and made not to see him. Made him seem more insignificant than what he really was. I mean, he was he was the guy under was the guy under Jamatov, man. He was the second in command, as far as I'm concerned. He was, just, and he was just gone. <laughs> and um, yeah. And then in Double Zeta, you have uh, Mashima, who yeah. was a clown, but then he vanishes for like 30 episodes, and when he comes back, he's some buffed up artificial new type psycho man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But dropping colonies and blowing himself up with new type power. He, he does go out like the man though. It's like, Wait he a does second. go out like mm. like a like a what? like a champ though. He goes out like a Z fighter, he blows himself up. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. And kills nobody. Yeah. He kills nobody. Yeah, he really didn't do much. As much as I like that character, he didn't do too much. Yeah, but he was kind of a footnote. He awesomely exploded and managed to kill nobody. Yeah. That's a daggone shame. But um what about someone who um someone who did die like died like a gangster? Um that Tomino, I guess, was you know he was savoring this death, but um, I always like the showdown between um, I'm sorry, the showdown between Judo and um Haman Khan. She committed suicide. That, she died like a gangster. She died well, kind of dumb. She did, yeah. but I mean, she it was, uh, the, it, was it was that a, that it was, once again too, and that would bring to one of my dislikes of Tomino, and this is a good segue. What's that? Is the horrible treatment of some of these the beloved characters especially women that you have in the yeah especially women in these shows yeah. I mean even the even the, the treatment of Char in all of in some of his works the treatment of women I mean just being so demonized and so maniacal yeah that's true and I mean he he's definitely got some women issues yeah so. he definitely does especially with mothers because uh, that's another thing I noticed in a lot of shows he has characters who don't get along with their parents, but specifically their mothers. I mean, these women are just bitches. I mean, yeah. you look at Amaro's mother, uh, Camille's mother. Yes. Judo has no parents. Who, yeah, I, I, I thought Camille's mother was a bit more endearing. Um, yeah, he has no mother. <laughs> Uso's mother was actually nice and pretty normal. Yeah, and, and somebody um, probably helped him writing that. But she, but she, got but the, she, she was got just absent. Shaft. 
she was just very absent, and that was yeah. So I think Torino's definitely got some some parental issues, and we don't know much about his life, but that's something that, that I wanted to mention. Um, he, he and a lot of the women, especially like in in Zeta and even Victory. more so Victory, they're just yeah. maniacal bitches. Yes, they they are backstabbing literally in some ways, figuratively yep. in others. <laughs> I don't know if this guy's just been hurting his relationships yeah. or or what, but I mean, like some of these women, I mean, like look at like Katagina. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna mention. She her. turns from like a like a well, we already discussed her, so let's not get into her. But again, but yeah, that that's that that's something. And then, um, oh man, I lost my train of thought. Um, that sort of leads into another thing that Tamino tends to not do so well, in my opinion, which is romance. Yes. Yeah. Although he wanted to do a romance series, and they kind of they kind of shafted. Oh, wanting to and being able to do it are two different things. Oh yeah, that's true. And maybe Sunrise had the um, the inside of saying is like, well, we don't think you can. But he he yeah he now he definitely cannot do that right at all. In the original series, uh, I think what happened with Amaru and Lala worked because. It wasn't really a romance. It was more of like oh, uh, a spiritual connection yeah. with their new type bonding. Yeah. Because I don't think even he identifies what he felt for her at the time as love. Right. He's a kid. What does he know? And I think Char did feel love for Lila, and that in part is what hurt him so much when she died. But with her and Amara, it was sort of something beyond love. Right. And I think actually he might have described one of them described it that way. You know, during those weird new type moments. But then you get into something like. Uh, Zeta, and it's sort of similar with Camille and Four, but not quite, and mm-hmm. you know that's really not developed too much. Uh, Double Zeta, not really any romance there with Judo, although Haman's got that thing for him. Not at all. Um, Victory, Uso, kind of has you know a crush on Katagina, and then she goes and stabs him in the back. Right. Literally. Right. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> and Carne, um, you know, Laurent, he's got a thing for. Uh, for Diana, but you know she she likes him too. So I think as far as Gundam goes, that was probably Tamino's best stab at yes. romance. Yes, yes, it was. And, and yeah. I mean, as much as we are talking ill about some of the things he does do, I think one of the nice things he's done is uh, with you talking about Turn A is he has tried to reinvent. Yeah, his um, later series have been Gundam. a lot. He's happy Tamino. Yeah, he's, yeah he's, and, he's, and he's tried to reinvent it and it. You know, and and Turn A is a, a very underrated show in a lot of ways, and I mean, it was very strong and everything like that. But it it definitely you can definitely see his um, um, you know maturing as a writer and a director. But um, Soulbro, any dislikes or dis uh, you know likes of the old bald wizard there? Well, other than cashing in a lot of characters too early or just entirely, uh, I, I I I like Tamino overall. I think he I think his um. I think his effect on just anime in general is 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 pretty profound. Granted, um, a lot of his earlier works are tragedies, but um, you know, looking at the Gundam series, I'd have to definitely say that Zeta is still my favorite out of all of them that he's done. Um, I had a lot of issues, like with the women issues in Zeta. Granted, you know, his emphasis on Zeta was that women had to become an active part of um the military. And right. he brought that he brought that in because there was such a shortage of men from the one year war and all the conflicts in between. Um. I, one thing I didn't like about um, Zeta was what he did with Rakoa. I think that 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 mid-series switch was a, just a bit. I don't know. It wasn't as defined as I'd like it to be. I think I, I would like to have seen more interaction between her and um, Quattro, 
and you know what she you know she ended up being a, a bitch too to Camille but granted we understood why because you know she you know she just had you know really effed up things happen to her and all that issues um another, again Tamina's issues with women are easily reflected in her but uh I I guess my big thing that I dislike Tamina for is just not giving characters enough screen time and uh and other than that, I mean, granted, he's made up for his mistakes with Turn A and in a lot of ways, but granted, uh, Victory is still still one of the most traumatizing series to watch. It's funny because I feel Turn A in a lot of ways is kind of his appeal to the fans that, you know, all the things that you complained about with um, the needless killing of characters, the needless dropping of characters and whatever, Turn A, he does basically not really follow any of those routes. Um, it I don't really remember too many characters falling off in turn A. It seemed like everybody was pretty much, not to the extent that we were speaking about, you know, 20, 30 episodes, but, um, you know, the, the stab at, you know, actually making, um, the romance between the main character and one of the women, uh, work instead of just like an infatuation. And, you know, he can't, he can't, there's too many things for him to worry about love at this point. Yeah. And, um, but, I mean, the thing I do like about what, you know, another thing I do like about what he's uh, done uh, with Gundam is is making, uh, I think, is something that we pointed to earlier, especially with Zeta, is making um, Gundam more general equal, gender equal. Um, yeah. I think, especially as 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 groundbreaking as Mobile Suit Gundam was as being a real robot thing, I think what it might have uh, made it even more so was the role of the women in that show because if you watch a lot of those 70s mech shows i mean the girls are just there as eye candy fan service all day well he did he did do some things there because you know sailor was a bridge bunny but then she eventually yeah i mean she piloted the gundam and then she eventually became a pilot of you know either the core booster or the g fighter so you know she proved what she was worth and another thing that i definitely do want to highlight is tamino is really good at um, choreographing battles. I mean, yeah. you look at, for example, that final battle between Amuro and Char in the original series, where they're just blowing the crap out of the Gundam and the Zeon, and then it just keeps on moving to where they're on foot. Oh yes, yeah. shooting yes. At each other, and then they're fighting with uh, swords. I mean, it's just like swords. Yeah, really, really exciting battle. Which, even with the limits of the animation from 1980, man, that's just an exciting battle. Um, other things like in Zeta, where you've got Char single-handedly trying to hold off Haman and Soroko inside Grips 2, and he's getting the crap blown out of the Hyakushiki <laughs> by these much more powerful mobile suits. Yeah. Even before that, the most the, the dramatic moment on the stage when uh, they all got inside the amphitheater and they were conversing back and forth, that was just a great scene. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's a... Or even more recently... Mm-hmm. Um, go oh, ahead. I was just going to say, he's able to take the intensity of those battles and project it on you as the viewer. I mean... You, you get to see these in a lot of shows. You get to see these great battles, but you actually, when you're watching a lot of these battles in the Tamino Gundam shows, I mean, you're you, like you said, you're on your feet. That last battle with Shar and Amuro in the original series, you're on your feet. Like, holy crap, you know, these guys really do hate each other, and there is this intensity to, you know, vanquish the other one. Yeah, or even more recently in uh, Turn A, that final battle between uh, Jim and Laron. Uh. Oh. where they're just going at it with Ooh. the moonlight butterflies, and then even they yes. end up switching exactly. to fighting with swords. And it's just like, Didn't it go from space to Earth? Yes. That was like a first. 
Yeah, that's true. They 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 began in space they, and they, they ended they, up on they Earth. Ended yeah. up on Terra Firma. It's like, well, wow, that's the that's the most amazing thing right there. Now, uh, and then of course the sword. Before we close out this segment, any last comments relating to Tamino and Gundam? Um, myself, I wish Tamino would be a little bit more humble when it comes to Gundam. I know he. I'm sure as an artist, I would probably not want to be. You know, there's probably certain things that artists do that they want to be remembered for instead of other things. And I think he's probably more proud of certain other works than maybe some of his works of Gundam. But I, I, I don't like the fact that he kind of poo-poos the whole Gundam franchise now and he doesn't really want to embrace it. And, I mean, I can kind of understand with the Japanese mindset. Those people are insane, so they probably drive him <laughs> crazy at conventions and stuff. But there does come a point where you do have to kind of you know, he, he that's what he's going to be remembered for. Even though for all the other great shows that he's done, um well, you know, he's going to be remembered for Mobile Suit Gundam. As as a writer, in in his defense, um you know, he never wanted to be just some anime director. He wanted to be a serious novelist. And because of Gundam, yes, it's been a great success, you know, for him, but it's also been a hindrance because he's been pigeonholed oh, yeah. and stereotyped as being the Gundam creator and the Gundam director, oh, I, so I I can see you know where all of his angst comes from, and it's it's well founded that you know he's probably wanted to do a lot of other things with his life, and Gundam took him in a direction that maybe he didn't want to go because he got stuck to it, like it or not. Yeah, I mean I understand so. that, but I think at this point, uh, if he would just kind of um, embrace it a little bit, because I mean the guy gets a credit on. I think he has. That's- I think he has. I mean, the fact that he came back and he did Turn A. That is true. The fact that yeah. he did the, fact that he did the uh, Zeta movies, and he's been at a lot of, um, you know, ever since Turn A, he's been showing up at a lot of uh, Gundam events, which I don't think he was doing so much right before Turn A for a while. Right. So I think he's finally accepted it, and he's comfortable with it. And if his comments about Zeta being the end, the Zeta movies being the end for him are any indication, I think he's finally, after all these years, accepted, yeah. you know, what his role is and how he's connected to Gundam and I think he's okay with it. Yeah, but well, I've also heard him say things about some of the other shows too and, well, you it, know, the alternate shows. He hasn't, I, he hasn't watched any of the alternate shows, but I mean, I can't blame him. I mean, uh, he may think he could have done it better or I, I don't know, maybe he just doesn't see them as any kind of, um, any, any it, it, even being worth, you know, taking the time to watch but you know all these all the directors and the creative staff behind those series actually you know adore his previous works enough yeah. to actually do a Gundam series themselves so I, I think he should give them acknowledgement a little bit more I, I think if, if even if he felt like he doesn't like those series yeah. it's one of those things where you just don't say it you yeah. know you just say well Gundam's Gundam or whatever but I don't know Any anything on your end well, there Chris one thing that I would caution is there's a lot of stuff that appears on the internet of oh Tamino says this Tamino says oh, yeah. that True. Tamino 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 and most of it is is garbage. So unless you've you so? read firsthand like a review in a magazine or a comment on Ganoda or something, you know there's all sorts of different oh yes. uh, conflicting statements about whether he's seen some of the other shows whether he hasn't. The one thing that I have seen in print with my own eyes it's most consistent is that he thinks that it's time for young people to direct Gundam. Yes, he said yeah. that at the start of Seed. He said it um, during the Zeta movies. So I think he knows that Gundam is going to be going on for a long time, even after he's gone, and he's accepted the fact yeah. that you know other people are going to be playing his sandbox, and I think he's okay with that. And, yeah. and he's saying that you know it's time for the next generation to step in and do Gundam their way. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, but. well, don't... 
I'm, I'm, I, then I'm glad that um, I'm glad he feels that way because um, it, it's nice that it's nice it's nice that he does support um, new new directors and new creative teams to, to develop Gundam, and I, I hope um, I just I I just hope that he can he can branch out. My my main hope for him is I like to see him do a series that has nothing to do with Mecha. I like to see him. I mean, granted, he's known for that, but I like to see him do a series that has nothing to do with Mecha, like he used to do back in the day when he directed for um, Tezuka. But um, I guess that's a whole nother that's a whole nother subject for next week when we go into his other works. But right. well, well, and I think that'll uh, close it up for this uh, segment. And uh, the next episode, we'll be discussing Tamino's non Gundam works, and uh, we'll be right back after this commercial break at uh, Gundam at MHQ. Gundam, damn! Al, okay, listen carefully. Inside this package, you'll find a full tape confession and all of the evidence. I wanted to explain just why this colony has been targeted for nuclear attack. It's important that if I die, that you take this to the police. If you can get an adult to believe you, the colony can still be saved. You're probably wondering why I didn't just take this to them myself. Well, you see, you have to understand, it would have been like running away. If I ducked out of fighting now, I don't think I could have ever lived with myself. It's not like I hate the Federation or anything, or that I want to avenge the Captain and the others. I'm not sure how to put it. You see, I need to fight the Gundam now. Maybe it's because I'm a soldier. I really don't know the reason why. Hey, Al. I'm most likely going to die. But whatever happens, don't hate the Gundam pilot. And don't go hating the Fetty soldiers. Because they're like us. You and me. In this world we live in. Just hold on, don't give in. Keep your faith. Living in a place that's so imperfect. They're just people simply doing what they think is right, that's all. I know that it's hard. But try not to hate them. Don't blame yourself either, okay? Please, Al. This is all I ask. With luck, if I do manage to get out of this alive and the war ends, I'll visit you. I'll come back to this colony. That's a promise. Well, I guess that's it. Take care, Al. By the way, say hi to Chris. See you, kid. No, we don't want to think. We want to know. Take him to the kennel, stick the dogs on his ass. We'll find out for Gun. damn sure what he knows and what he don't. This is Chris, um, just wrapping up episode 7 of Gundam at MAHQ. So we took a look today at uh, the premiere episode of Macross Frontier, and we'll definitely be covering that show when its regular broadcast starts up in April. We also did our monthly wrap-up of Gundam 00, taking a look at episodes 9 through 12. So by the end of maybe... Uh, this month, early February, we'll have the next set of episodes, and we also kicked off the beginning of our two-part series on the mind of Yoshiyuki Tamino, <laughs> looking at his Gundam works and some things that we like and some things that we didn't like. So next episode, we'll be looking at some of his non-Gundam works, Dunbine, Idian, that sort of stuff. So Can't wait to tear into that, <laughs> especially Dunbine. It's yes. time. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but um yeah, uh, by the way, um if you for those who are interested, um of course you can find us at um www.mahq.net. Also the main My- MySpace webpage for um 
Gundam at MAHQ, of course, is um, myspace.com slash Gundam the show. Um, also, if for those interested in the music you hear in between segments, there's also a MySpace site for that, and that's um, myspace.com slash Garma Strikes. If you go there, you can download any of the songs or listen to them. And um, on top of that, for all the news, a lot of the news that we get for um, Gundam, of course, comes from Ganada or Ganota. Um, and you can go to the website, which is um, tomato, tomato. Um, aeug.blogspot.com. And if, to reach us for any kind of comments, you can either go to the forums at mechatalk.net or reach us by email at gundammahq at gmail.com. And lastly, uh, everybody... We uh, appreciate uh, all of the feedback that we've been getting to 2008, and we'd love to get more, uh, particularly for another mailbag segment. So yes. whether you want to just post something on the forum or if you want to record something and send us a message to include in the show, you can find instructions for that at uh, mechatalk.net. And uh, that wraps it up for Episode 8. So uh, say goodbye, guys. All right. This is Neo saying keep it up and keep giving those uh, giving us feedback, and we'll... Uh Looking for a good 2008. And this is Sobro saying thank you for downloading Lucky Number 7. And we'll see you next. We'll see you in the two weeks for another episode of Gundam. Bye. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, well, I got nothing else to add to that. So uh, we're out of here. Catch you later. Why so sad? Dost thou weepeth? Is it that you can't recollect the deed or you refuse to acknowledge it? To turn away from the past is to lose it. And parting is such sweet sorrow, is it not? Tell me your answer. Am I correct in my assumption? Who are you? What do you mean? Don't you like Shakespeare? Mm. Forbidden fruit is the sweetest kind. What was it you called your friend? You know who I'm talking about, don't you? That monstrosity the army calls the giant alien robot Extra One. You mean Frank? Yes, that's right. You'd like to destroy him, wouldn't you? Or have someone else do it for you? When the scale is balanced, it takes the slightest nudge to tip it. As Demetrius said, when two objects are of equal weight, a simple speck of dust can make one heavier. One vengeance, a clemency. Well, you hate it, tell the truth. It's a very tough choice, like a little nudge. Gundam! At MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ production. Give up, son. Go back to photocopies and paper cuts. That's your true calling. <laughs>